all the things you can't do when you're told you can't run. And um, I had a pity party for a, a good year. <laughs> and then I decided, well, if I can't do that, what can I do? This Runs Radio, episode 644, starts in three, two. Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Hey guys, uh, real quick before we dive into today's episode, no official sponsor, just want to share a little something with you that uh, just kind of shows kind of how, how things are going, how things are improving, uh, and, and uh, I'm confident in saying that uh, you are uh, the, the biggest reason behind this. You are the biggest driver behind the growth of the show. So if we go back to December of 2017, uh, 10 months ago, 10, 11 months ago, uh, the show got 12,500 plays. Uh, you know, the various episodes three still, still were three times a week during, during the month. Uh, and, and in that, that calendar month, in those 31 days, we got 12,500 plays. Now, if we go back in time to September of 2018, just a couple of months ago, or just a little over a month ago, the show got 23,100 plays. So in about 10 months, we've, uh, more than just about doubled or just about doubled, I guess not quite more than doubled, but just about doubled. And, uh, no, no doubt that by the end of the year we'll be in, in double territory of where we were last year. And like I said, that's, that's all because of you guys sharing the show, telling other people about the show, uh, mention it on social media, in your blogs, uh, you know, to, to your friends in person, whatever it is, um, that growth is coming from you and it's, uh, appreciated more than I can possibly put into words, but I just wanted to give you a, uh, a little number, a little peek behind the, the kimono here to kind of see exactly how much the show is growing. And uh, like I said, there's there's no way that happens without you. So thank you for all you do to share the show. If you enjoy this episode, by the time you get to the end of it, feel free to share it. Uh, and the you know, same applies for any, any episode that you listen to. If you really like it, if it's a quick tip that you really think is important or valuable, share those, share those jokers. Uh, it, it helps me out a lot. And uh, as I've said before, the more, the more that the show grows, the more opportunities I have to, to pay that back to you in terms of giveaways and discounts and, and freebies and, and whatever it might, else it might be. Uh, I got a lot of things in, in the plans for, you know, into, into the new year um, and just into the future in general. So thank you for, for all you do to help grow the show. And uh, I'm really looking forward to continuing to, to do the show, continue to have it grow and uh, see what kind of opportunities are coming because of the growth of the show. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, and now without any further ado, Let's go ahead and uh, dive in to today's episode of the show. Hey guys, my uh, guest today is a woman that uh, I have a feeling I'm uh, really going to agree with on a, on a lot of fronts running related. Uh, I also have a sneaking suspicion that we may dive deep on a few topics that we are both fairly passionate about, but uh, we will see how things go as uh, and, and we'll cross those bridges when we get there. Uh, today's guest is obviously a runner, as just about every guest on the show is, but she's also a coach, personal trainer, and a fellow believer in the value of doing the little things. So you know, you, you kind of have an idea that uh, we might we might dive deep on the little things front today. But uh, like I said, we'll see. But anyway, it is uh, definitely a pleasure to be able to go a few easy miles today with uh, a fellow Dirt Unit member, Miss Sarah Scazzaro. Uh, thanks for joining hey. today, Sarah. Really appreciate it. 
Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, certainly looking forward to it. And guys, if you uh, haven't connected with Sarah yet and, and you uh, enjoy today's conversation, you want to maybe follow along on social media, things like that, pretty much on all things social, the, the handle is uh, Dirty Runner. That's D-R-T-Y. So no no vowels in dirty. D-R-T-Y <laughs> Runner with the vowels in the runner. So D-R-T-Y Runner. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, the website is DirtyRunner.com. Same spelling. Hasn't been, uh, no, no posts in a while, but lots of information there. So you can check that out as well. And uh, as always, we'll have everything linked up in the show notes for today's episode. Photos, links, the, the whole nine. Uh, Dizruns.com slash 644 for today's episode. Uh, if you want to find out more about Sarah, connect with her there as well. So, Sarah, the way we always start off each each conversation is uh, with the same simple question uh, that uh, for me, as the asker, is very simple. But uh, for, for the, the folks that I'm asking it to, for you, it, it can be a bit difficult to, to try to narrow it down, especially for the ultra runners. And I know you you find yourself in that uh, category as well. Uh, but it's just to simply ask, what is your favorite distance to race and why? Oh, that is an easy one for me. 50 miler. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. No hesitation there. Um, I love the 50. It could be done in a day. It's, it's the perfect, um, I feel blend of like speed strategy and endurance. So a lot of people will run a 50 K like they run a marathon. Mm-hmm. So in and a hundred miler is a, is a pretty big chunk of commitment as far as training and time, but a 50 miler is just like this little sweet spot. And I find that I do best in fifties. Um, I have enough patience with my strategy and my endurance. Um, I'm not necessarily a fast runner, but, um, I can, I can pretty truck it out for a 50 and do fairly well and feel pretty amazing at the end. So yeah, I love, I love the 50 mile distance. Gotcha. Gotcha. I, I always, uh, have, have a bit of a giggle when ultra runners are on the show and they talk about how, you know, 50 mile isn't, isn't that long. It's still, it's still short enough to be fast. And, and, and I'm just yeah, like, <laughs> You people are crazy. I mean, I've, I've done right? one, I've done one fifty K I'm, I'm on the books for another one, uh, oh. before, before too much in January. So it's, it's still a little bit away, but, uh, but it's just like, how is it, you know, how, like 50 K is, is like a marathon is long enough. 50 K is longer. And so yeah. 50 mile, come on now, short enough <laughs> to be fast. It's ridiculous. I know. I know. It's just cause you know, I mean, it, like it separates people, right? You've got the people that were maybe really good at like road marathons that transitioned to ultra running and they do a 50 K and they carry on that speed. Cause it's, I don't want to say it's only six miles longer, but you know what I mean? It's, right. it's not that much longer. Um, and, and a hundred miles is, is, is a whole different animal, but that 50 miler is just such a nice distance where it really separates the people that, that maybe like, are going for the 50 K, which is great, but there, it's a big difference between a 50 K and a 50. Mm-hmm. And I find that a lot of people race a 50 miler, like a 50 K and you have to respect that, dif- that distance in a totally different way. And, uh, I just really enjoy just, I just really enjoy that distance. So, gotcha. Gotcha. Well, yeah. 50 Ks are hard for me. 50 Ks are really hard for me. Gotcha. Just because it's, it's again, quote unquote, shorter and, and too fast type of thing or, or what yeah. makes it a struggle? It's more, I think it's a shorter, it's more intense. I don't really feel like I'm rocking my rhythm until about mile 30. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like 50, it's like, all right, like I'm just getting into it. And, and that's when it's supposed to be over. And I'm like, oh shoot, I didn't even go back into like, I didn't do any, I mean, I'm just was waiting for it to get longer. So yeah, the 50, I I just can really settle in. I think I'm, I'm more patient. Um, A 50 K just, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's more stressful for me, I guess. I don't know. Gotcha. Gotcha. And it's, it's, you know, like I said, it, it always makes me, me grin a little bit and, and smile, but it's, that, that's one of the beauties of our, our sport is that no matter what distance you run, there's always that distance that's shorter. And you're like, oh, I can't, I can't imagine running, you know, like for me, it's the 5k. Like I can't, like 5k, come oh. on. Like you, you barely, you, you haven't even warmed up yet and the race oh, is gosh. over and, and, you know, so you got to run for, you know, 
you got to run for three or four miles before the race and then run the race and then, you know, try to cool down a little bit versus totally. you know, for something like a marathon where you, you have, you know, three or four miles to kind of warm up and ease in and settle into it. And then you can kind of cruise and go. And you're saying it takes you 30 miles to warm up, but <laughs> it's just all relative based on, on what your fitness is. is, what your desires are, things like that. It is. And I'm probably being dramatic. I'm probably warmed up before 30, but it just, I don't feel like I'm getting into my real rhythm of like, I don't know. I, yeah, mentally I'm just, I want more and a 50 K just doesn't seem to give it to me, but I agree with you on the 5k. I tell people I'd rather run a 50 miler than a 5k any day. That's just painful. (laughs) Three, three miles at all. Oh, (laughs) no, I I, uh, am right there with you. And and it's funny because like I said, I mean, everybody's, everybody's different. Everyone's going to get somebody in the show. who's like, man, I just love the 5k. And it's like my, my, my head explodes as much as when I have somebody that says I love the 50 mile because it's short and fast. Like I just, I don't, I can't grasp either of those things. Put Put me down for that marathon slash 50k distance. And I think that's, that's where I like to be. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Which one are you doing in January? Uh, Bear bait in uh, North Florida. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, look into that one. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, I mean, I, I live in central Florida, so it'll be a uh, quote unquote cold when I go up to, oh. to the North part of the state. But, uh, oh, gosh. I think I, I, I'm from Michigan originally, so I think I'll be able to handle, oh. I'll be able to handle yeah. North Florida in January. It'll be all right. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So Sarah, how did, how did you get uh, started in running? Is it, is it something that's kind of been uh, pretty much part of your life forever? Did you pick it up, uh, you know, in, in high school, college, after college, where, where'd you get started in the sport? Kind of both. Um, so when I was little, like five or six years old, I had a ton of energy and my parents didn't quite know what to do with me. And, um, so I remember vividly my dad taking me out, trying to burn off some of my energy and and running with me. And he didn't last very long and I was just still going. (laughs) So he decided to start riding his bike and I would run while he would ride his bike. And we would usually, I do vividly remember going to a Wenchel's donuts shop. We would usually run to the donut shop. So it was like a, my dad got a twofer. He burnt my energy. He got donuts. Right. Um, and I started doing 5Ks at like six and seven years old. We lived in the mountains of Southern California near Big Bear. And I just loved it. I absolutely loved it. And so I ran all the way up into junior high. And I had a really bad experience with a coach at the junior high level that um, really it just messed with me psychologically. Yeah. So I put running on the shelf all through junior high and high school. I didn't run, um, from eighth grade until after I graduated and I just kind of fell back into it. I missed it. And, um, like most, I don't want to say most, a lot of women, I was like, well, I need to lose fat. How am I going to lose fat? I'll run. (laughs) So, um, but I'd always loved running. So I started picking it back up and that was in 98. I'm dating myself here. And, uh, I ran my first marathon in 2000. I actually joined up with team in training, mm-hmm. uh, the lymphoma and leukemia society. And I did my first marathon in Alaska and wow. yeah, yeah, I went big. <laughs> so, <laughs> I guess so. I, yeah. And then I was, you know, I was hooked prior to that, just getting out and running again. It's, there's nothing like it, but then I found a purpose and I found a community and it just kind of went from there. And, and then I had a big injury in 2002 and didn't run again until 2010. So oh, wow. it's just my rebirth and running has been the past eight years, really. Gotcha. Well, I, I definitely want to get into that a bit more. But uh, anybody who listens to, who's been listening to the show for a while knows that uh, I can't I can't pass up a good running injury story, um, oh, or at boy. least at least what it what it is. And, and uh, you know, we can go in as much detail as, as you want or not. But uh, just so you know, my my background and degree is is in athletic training. So like I'm I'm all about. Injuries. Oh, awesome! Like, that's that's kind of my my wheelhouse. So. Um, can we, can we dive into the running injury or the, the injury a little bit? What was it? Oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, 
in 2002, I was out running in, uh, in an old town, Davis, California, and they have like old sidewalks. It was like in the old area. And uh, I stepped on a tree root that had grown underneath some sidewalk, like some cement that was cracked and raised. Mm. And when I stepped down, it collapsed down and my foot came towards my face and my joint, oh, no. my knee joint, medial tibia plateau head crushed down a half inch. Ooh. So I had a uh, medial tibial plateau fracture of my left knee. And uh, I spent a week in the hospital and I've had several procedures and the doctor came out of the surgery and told my parents she will never run again. Mm. My orthopedic sports surgeon. He's like, she's done. And uh, I, the funny enough story, though, when I did it, I had the wherewithal to flip. I flipped. I tripped, flipped, rolled into someone's sprinklers on their lawn. And I had the wherewithal to stop my stopwatch. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. Like, like any good Not runner. Not getting credit. Not getting credit for that. And uh, and then I went immediately went into shock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, But yeah, so um, I had my last hardware. So I had two um, almost, uh, well, like inch and a half long uh, screws put into my knee and bone paste and um, all of that. It took uh, six months before I could truly walk unassisted without a, uh, first I was, you know, wheelchair and all of that. I was on three months, like really long, about three months bedpan bed rest, um, wow. trying to let the joint heal because I had such a strong uh, bruise of the femoral head mm-hmm. at the knee. They thought that I was going to need a re- knee replacement. Wow. So, uh, they had to let that, the, the bone heal. And then it was determined that, well, no, she can keep her knee, but it, you're not going to be able to do much. You'll probably always walk with a limp. And so I didn't run for eight years and my last hardware removal was in 2014. And the day I got cleared, so I had the removal in 2014 in March. I had my follow-up six weeks later in April. And that day I went home and signed up for my first hundred. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, I had started running. Um, so this was, I'd been running for four years. I'd been running mm-hmm. back for four years. And I did my first ultra in 2012. So two years after the injury, after I was running again, I did my first uh, 50K and then 50 miler. And then uh, within four years, I did my first 100. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah. uh, as as per usual, the, you know, here's somebody's story a little bit. And I, you know, 16 questions that go off in my mind and, and I have to choose, choose which one. But um, with, with an injury that, I mean, that's, that's, you know, you went all in on the, on the injury front. You know, that's, that's not, oh, yeah. uh, not a little I case of shin splints that. or something. That's, that's yeah, serious. I don't business. Have anything. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and with the doctor saying, yeah, she's not, she's not running again. Um, you know, it, it took you obviously, uh, if I'm doing my numbers here, about eight years to kind of get back to, to running or, or, you know, several years at least. Um, yeah. was there ever a question in your mind if you would run again or, or did you kind of pretty much go along with the doctor and say, I'm probably not going to be able to, to, to do this ever again. Yeah, I definitely went along with the doctor at first um, because the prognosis, I mean, they didn't tell me out of surgery. They told my parents. And then when I had my suture removal, like 10 days later, I was like, so, so, you know, what's my timeline? When am I going to heal? Like, when can I run? And he's like, oh, honey, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're not going to run again. And I went into like a really deep, depression after that. It was very, and plus I was stuck in a hospital bed. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like I did, had a lot of time to think. Um, and I was like, okay, well, this is my new reality. But it, it, it was hard because a lot of what happened after that is not, when you take away running, you take away a lot of other things, right? Well, then it's like, well, I can't play soccer. Mm-hmm. I can't chase after uh, I can't, all the things you can't do when you're told you can't run. And um, I had a pity party for a, a good year. <laughs> and then I decided, well, if I can't do that, what can I do? And um, I started doing like weightlifting and spinning classes and actually uh, became a personal trainer kind of through this because I was limited on what I could do. And I started finding other things that would make me passionate. And um, 
oh gosh, about, well, about 2008. So six years into it, seven years into it, I was like, I really miss running. Like I've always missed it, but I was like, I just feel really good. Like Mm -hmm. I can do all the things I want to do. It's not giving me any problems. What if they were wrong? And by 2010, we were living in Germany because my husband's in the military and I paid to fly back to the States to see my original surgeon and have um, scans done, x-rays and images done because I wanted his his kind of opinion on how the knee looked because I, I really wanted to run. And he was looked at the scans and he's like, well, when was this injury again? And I was like, oh, 2002. And he's like, well, the joint looks beautiful. He's like, I'm not going to tell you that you should run. But if you do, <laughs> it was one of those like, I'm not giving you permission, but I know you're probably going to. He said, don't. Um, if it swells or it hurts, stop, which I adhere to that to this mm-hmm. day. And he said, um, you know, two to three miles once or twice a week, <laughs> and then, you know, see how it does. And I, I was slow and I was smart and I'm very patient with my body and recovery and I haven't looked back. Yeah. So, wow. yeah, it's, I, you know, I was just going to say it's, 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 you know, always love to hear those stories where somebody says you, you can't and, and you're able to, and, and this one, um, maybe even more so because it wasn't like you just were determined to do it, but like you're, you're took care of your body well enough that it was, it was able to, and obviously, uh, yeah. you know, still able to, which is, which is fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. I, I do credit, you know, I, I'm, you know, I, I look back, especially we lived in Europe for seven years and I look back all the things that I feel like I should have been doing. Like I, I could have done that race or I could have done this or we could have run here. And, and then I think, well, but it was probably those eight years that I wasn't running that I was addressing everything else. You know, the weaknesses, the imbalances and kind of building my body back up is probably why I can run now. Right. So I, I try to give myself a little grace and, and remind myself that, yeah, you missed those years, but you're, you're getting them back with equity now. So, um, yeah, I just try to have a more, you know, positive approach to it. Yeah. It's, it's a, a good, uh, good perspective to have and, and one to, uh, keep in mind, you know, when, when you're dealing with, you know, when, when we all know runners that have, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the shin splints, the IT band, the whatever that, that keeps them out for six weeks or something like that. And people lose their mind about, Oh my mm-hmm. gosh, all the stuff I can't do for the, I can't run this, this race or this training or whatever. Um, you know, could be, it could be worse. So keep that in mind, take, take that time off, take care of your body. Uh, and then when you come back, hopefully you've addressed those, those issues that have caused the, the, the original problem. Uh, and then you, you're good to go at that point. Exactly. Exactly. And it gives you a, a new appreciation for things, you know? Yeah. So I appreciate my running more now than I ever did before. Of course. Of course. So like you said, you, you get, you got back into it and, and started going, uh, you know, it, uh, maybe ignored or, or disregarded a little bit the the doctor's recommendation of a couple miles a couple times a week. Um, yeah, was was ultra running on your radar before the injury, or or, or where did did that? Kind of, I mean, because obviously once you got back into running, it didn't take you too long to to really start up in the distance. Where, where did that ple- that seed get planted? Oh, it's a slippery slope. <laughs> I think, I think for most ultra yes. runners, it is. No, so when I finally when I was given you know kind of the passive okay to run. I literally was like, I will, I know I'll never do a marathon again, but if I can just run two or three miles once or twice a week, I'll be thrilled. Like it was, I was missing that, you know, that part of my life so desperately. I just wanted to have it back. And, and I just started running and, and I could push my limits a little bit and, you know, I'd run a mile and that felt good. So a couple weeks later I would, you know, I keep at the mile and then I'd add a little more and it just kept growing. And then, we moved from Europe to Ohio, where I'm actually back at now, and um, we fell in with a, a local running group that was just an amazing group of people, and um, 
we started doing the long runs on the weekends. And I think I was up to about five or six miles at that point. And I remember when we joined them the first weekend, I did like nine miles. Well, first of all, my husband and I went into a huge Indian buffet afterwards and then took a two hour nap. Like I'd run like a marathon, you know, it was like not, you know, it was nine miles, but that it was just like, I was so excited because I was like, and then, um, so that was June of 2011. And I was like, you know what? I'm feeling, I, I just felt really good. And, and I had a healthy attitude of, so I did my first marathon, my comeback marathon in March of 2012. So, um, I just kind of told myself, I'm going to train for this thing. Uh, it's very low key. It was just the small little marathon here in town. It's like $35. And if my body tells me to stop, I don't do it. And I'm not going to get emotionally attached to this. I'm not going to, you know, be upset if I can't do it. I'm just going to put this goal out there because I'm, I'm a big goal setter and I like to have goals to reach for, but also tempering that with reality that if my body says no, um, I won't do it. Well, I did it and I was fine. I think I ran for me. I mean, I ran a 339 coming. Uh, that was my first. Yeah. So I was that, like, oh, that counts hey. is, is pretty darn good. <laughs> I was happy, you know, like, wow. Uh, you know, so um, yeah. And then it was like, well, I did a marathon. I, I could certainly do 50 you K know, like, and I never, I remember back in the day. So I'm from, um, the Northern California area, like 15, 20 minutes away from Auburn, which everybody knows what ends in Auburn in the last weekend of June, right? Mm-hmm. The Western States. So I have friends that just would run that race before there was ever like a lottery. You could just sign up. And I just thought they were crazy. Like, I thought 50 miles was crazy. I'm like, you run, a, I can't double a marathon, you know, like there's no way. And I don't know why I just got this bug in my bonnet that I'm just going to start. Why not? I think cause I didn't have it for eight years. Mm. I was determined to just squeeze every last drop out of running that I could, um, in the most healthful way possible. So yeah, I signed up for, uh, did JFK that November and I did the stump jump 50 K before that in October and, um, just kind of grew from there. I, I, I don't know how I can't explain it because it was never something I had interest in doing prior. My right. interest prior was always, I want to qualify for Boston. That was the only interest I had. Did, did you, did you ever check that, that, uh, that I, bucket? I did. I ran Boston in 2015. Okay. okay. I, I qualified in 2013 and ran it in 2015. Gotcha. Um, yeah. What was what again? That's that's another kind of common theme that uh, whenever that that topic comes up of, of Boston, I have to dive into it at least a little bit because it's it's certainly a big goal of mine, and I still have um, a fair bit of work to do. I, I you know jokingly but seriously say I need to get twenty years older and you know thirty miles oh, faster. And uh, you guys have it tough. It's, at you some guys point, have it tough. yeah, at some point, right in, in that in that window, uh, I, I might have a chance. But um, what was what was your Boston marathon experience like? Um. I, <laughs> it was interesting. I actually got sick the week before with a really oh, no. bad case of bronchitis. Yeah. Um, and I, I wasn't going to even go. I didn't even want to go. We, we were going to drive from Ohio to Boston. And I just remember I was on antibiotics and I was at the clinic on nebulizers and breathing treatments. And I was like, this is just stupid. I'm not going to run sick and do this to my body. And my husband's like, well, why don't we just drive out there since we're driving anyways, let's just drive out there. And you can make a decision, you know, race day or whatever, but I think you owe it to yourself to try because, you know, Boston doesn't defer. Right. So, um, so we did go out there and I just, you know, I, I was feeling better. The antibiotics were working because I'm one of those runners. I don't glorify running sick or injured. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people do that. They'll, they think it's like a badge of honor if you've run really, really sick or with a stress fracture or something, they feel like they're tougher or stronger. <laughs> 
And I am so far away from that. Like it's more of like, I don't, yeah, I don't glorify that. So I, I didn't want to do that either. Um, but I also adjusted, I recalibrated my expectations and I was like, well, it's Boston and you get caught up in the frenzy when you're there. Mm. And I was like, well, you know, I was feeling better. The doctor did give me clearance. They're like, if you take it easy, your lungs are fine. You will be fine. So I ended up doing it. And that was the year prior to this year. It was another crappy, windy, cold, Mm. rainy (laughs) day. So, um, it probably wasn't the Boston I'd hoped for, but I had a lot of fun because I had no expectations. I wasn't racing it. It was my friend, Crystal likes to say it's the, uh, shaking hands and kissing babies race. The fact that you made it there, it's, it's just enjoy the moment and soak it all in. Um, so that's, it was, it was, it was an amazing experience. Um, I toy with the idea of doing it again, just because I kind of want to, to have a different experience, not being having been sick and Mm -hmm. having better weather, but I am such a trail person and it's, uh, road races are painful. (laughs) So (laughs) I keep doing it. It's like, I'm a masochist. I keep signing up for them every now and then just to remind myself why I love the trail so much. Mm -hmm. It's like, keeps me honest, but, and I also feel like I had my shot and it's such a hard race to get into now. And I feel like everybody, if they can, should experience it. So I I had my Boston, you know, I'll let some, you know, somebody else can have their Boston, but it's, it is magical. Yeah. Well, that's, that's good. That's, that's, uh, that's, that's kind of my, my loose plan. Like I said, there's still, there's still a, a good chunk of time before I'm going to be seriously trying to, to qualify. But yeah, once I, once I get there and th- there is no rush to finish that race for me, no. at, at least at, at this point in my life, like it's just take my time, enjoy it, you know, get a beer from the guy at mile seven and, and a hot dog from the, the guy at exactly. mile 20 and just, and just have a great old time. It's a party, you yeah. know, and the only thing that was a little sad is because of the weather, the crowds weren't as big as I guess they can be. They were still out there, but not, you know, the forever that you get mm-hmm. until that last mile. But it's still I mean, it's 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 Boston. Right. So it's it's a, it's just yeah, I wanted to soak up every minute because I didn't have any expectation that, you know, I would necessarily come back and I just wanted to appreciate the experience. So I, it is my hope for for every runner that wants to do it, I do hope that they are able to, because it is, you know, it is very magical. So gotcha. gotcha. Well, it's, it's, yeah, I, I'm, I'm still, you know, still working towards it. But, uh, like I said, there's no, there's no real rush. Cause when you, when you go to knock, you know, whatever it is now about 55 minutes off oh. of my time, like, um, you know, that, that's that not just, that's not going to happen in a couple training cycles. So we're going to enjoy some other running and, and, uh, <laughs> you know, keep, keep chipping yeah. away a little bit at a time. And, and at some point we'll, we'll worry about it again. Well, there you go. And I mean, I think it's so important to have goals too, but I think it's, it's a lot of runners. I've, I've had discussions with a couple other coaches about this and, and I think Boston is a, as a wonderful goal, but for a lot of runners, I, I see more on social media now than ever. It's like that validates you as a runner. Like right. you're not legit until you've done Boston. And I just think that's very unfortunate because I don't think that's true, you know? Right. And the fact that people feel like they haven't arrived or they're not good enough unless they've gotten their unicorn. And I think it's good to have a goal, but I think it's really good to have other goals too that, you know, that you can be proud of without, you know, it, cause they've tightened the, you know, they've dropped the, mm-hmm. the times again. And a lot of people just barely missed it this time. And now they've got to go another five minutes and it can be pretty maddening for people and, and frustrating. And I feel like it's important to have other goals out there. You know, for me, the trail community is so much more fun and it's just such a great experience that I don't know. I just, I navigate that way. Anyway, any, any time I can, it's trails over roads for me. 
Gotcha. And, and it's, that's a, a conversation topic that uh, I've, I've gone down a few times before, but uh, what's, what's your, you know, like you just said, it's, it's, it's th- that vibe of the trail community uh, is, it just appeals to a bit more. What, what is it about the, the trail running world that, uh, that, that pulls you in that direction versus the, the road running scene? Um, I just feel like there's a sense of inclusiveness, this real sense of we're all out there together. And I know technically road racing is the same, but my experience in road racing is everybody is out there trying to really beat the clock. I mean, mm-hmm. if they're trying to get their VQ, they're trying to place an age group there. It's very cutthroat, you know, it's like no one wants to talk to you. And I'm a very social, if you haven't noticed, <laughs> I'm a very social, <laughs> you know, and I, I just like to really get to know people. And the trail community is you just are out there and it's just magical. I mean, I've met some of the best people. Some of my closest friends were just people I met out on the trail. We just started a conversation. It's almost like therapy because you're either running like, you know, they're behind you or they're next to you and you're just talking and sharing life experiences because you're probably never going to see this person again. Mm-hmm. And then you find them on Facebook and they know all your dark <laughs> right. secrets. <laughs> and you're like, oh, shoot. Um, but it's just this feeling. I mean, I've had people that are I don't know. I just feel like there's more of a willing to be like, it's not about the race. It's about the experience with trail running. Um, I, I don't know. I just, for me, it's, it's for the, for us mid pack runners, it's, it, it's the, the journey and the, the finish. Like I'm not really concerned about my hundred mile finish time. It's mm-hmm. the fact that I was out there for 24 plus hours with these amazing people and the things that you share and the, the levels of humanity that you see is just, it's really encouraging to me. It's like the best part of, of people, I think you find out at a trail event. Yeah, that's, that's been my limited experience with trail races, but definitely, you know, that's, that's been what I experienced is just, you know, like you said, it's, it's, yes, we're all kind of racing, but we're all kind of helping each other too. And it's, it's, it's not that road running is, is bad, but it's just, it's just, it's different. It's different. It's definitely different. different. It's like road cycling and mountain biking. I mean, it's, it's, and it's not one is better than the other. It's just, it's just different. And, um, I like, I think because I was a mountain girl raised in the mountains and playing on, you know, that's, that's was my playground as a Mm -hmm. child. So to me, it's like revisiting my childhood, like getting to jump over rocks and jump over logs and run down a trail and see nature, you know, city running's okay, but I want to see some wildlife and I want to climb some mountains, see sunsets and sunrises and sunsets again. (laughs) (laughs) um, It's just, it's where my heart is. And, um, but you know, for people that love road running better, that's, that's your jam. Go for it. No problem there. Like we all have our thing, you know? Right. And, and, you know, there's nothing that says you can't do a little bit of both and and whichever one you like more great, but you know, dabble a little bit is, is, uh, you know, a little variety is a little spice of life once in a while. Exactly. It sounds like we both do that. I mean, I just did Air Force Marathon last month. I'm going to do another road race in the spring. I've got a, you know, trail hundred in April. It's, it just keeps things fresh. And I have friends that are in different groups and it's fun to travel and see friends and do a road race with them and then meet these people over here for a trail race. And it's just, yeah, you don't have to pick one or the other. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so shifting gears a little bit, Sarah, um, into the, the coaching front, uh, something that you've been doing for, for a while. What, uh, I know you, like you said, when you were, were injured and out of running, you kind of got into the, the personal training and, and, uh, that side of things, but where did the, uh, the passion to work with other runners and, and kind of get some of the, the coaching credentials and, and, and be on that side of the, the running spectrum come from? 
Yeah. So, um, I started off as a spin instructor that became a personal trainer and, and did that, uh, when we lived overseas and I just loved it. I loved helping people. And, um, I think once I was able to run again and, and I, in the interim, I also got my master's degree in exercise science and performance enhancement and injury prevention is my, my kind of concentration. And I just, once I was running again, I just, I loved creating training plans for myself and to tinkering with things. And, and then I started having friends kind of reach out like, Hey, what should I do here? Can I, what do you recommend for this? And, and I thought it was just a perfect blend with what I was already doing and I love it. And I wanted to help other people love it too and help them succeed. So, excuse me. So I, uh, it just seemed like a natural progression. Yeah, it it, it definitely kind of sounds like it. Um, and, and one of the things that, that you said in there and that I noticed from the website as well, that, that really gets my attention. And like I said, at the, in the intro kind of, uh, things that I think we're, we're pretty much simpatico on is, is the, the master's degree, the, 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 you know, actually like understanding the physiology and, and, um, how our bodies work, which is, is definitely what I have too, between the athletic training and my master's work is in exercise science as well. So it's like, nice. like knowing how the body works, how the body responds and, and, and why things do that the way, you know, why things work the way they work, I think is, is really important when it comes to, to helping somebody and, and helping them achieve their goals. Even if you don't get into the, the dirty, you know, down and down and dirty with the, all the physiology and, and, um, how it's working, at least having that knowledge. Uh, so I guess where I'm, where I'm trying to go with this question or, or this, this line of thought is, um, you know, because of that, that extra education and that, that work in the exercise science field, um, you know, I guess just from coach to coach, I guess I'm just maybe kind of curious, how, sure. how in depth do you go with the, the exercise, you know, kind of the, the, the science of it versus just using it to work with the, the athletes that you work with? Oh, so do I go, do I get nerdy with my clients or is yes. it more just yes. like, okay, <laughs> I think it depends on the client, which is, I don't mean to sound like a cop out, but some clients are like, just tell me what to run and I'll do it. Like they don't want to know. They don't care. They just, um, but for the other people, like, oh, I'll go as nerdy as you want to go. <laughs> I love, I love getting nerdy. Like I can top shop all day long and, you know, and I love being around other coaches and, um, you know, talking, well, you know, what does this work? And have you read that study? And what about this? And, and I love keeping up on the research and, and not only, I mean, research is very important peer reviewed, but also just seeing what's working with people and mm-hmm. applying it. Um, yeah, very much so. Um, but some of my clients are like, it's like, well, how, how much do you want to know? And they're like, I <laughs> right. don't care. And I'm like, Oh, that's sad. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I respect it. Um, you know, it's, that's fine. But, um, I, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I think some, I try not to overwhelm sometimes because, you know, it sounds like you and I are similar when you have so much in the background, you're like, well, we're doing this because of X, Mm -hmm. Y, and Z. And and this happens, you know, this will affect this muscle this way and this hormone level, and then it'll affect this energy system. And they're just like, "Uh uh-huh, am I going to get faster? And you're like, (laughs) yes, but don't you want to know why? You know, so, um, but yeah, so, uh, I like, I, I definitely believe in, you know, having the science behind it. Um, like I tell, I tell all of my clients, um, please ask me questions, uh, question everything I, I tell you to do, because if I can't tell you why you're doing it, that's a huge red flag. So if I have you do this workout and you want to know, well, what's the purpose behind this workout? And I say, well, we'll just, you know, just do it. Just, yeah. And then there, that's, that's a problem because then I'm just regurgitating, you know what, you know, and that's, I think everybody should understand or definitely, at least their coach should understand why they're having them do a specific workout or the, what kind of stimulants, what kind of response are we trying to get from this? Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I think a lot of people just see really cool, flashy workouts on the internet and 
they they think they cross that over or either give it to themselves or give it to a client and they don't understand the why behind it. And then they don't understand why they're not getting results. Um, and I see this a lot in personal training too. Mm -hmm. anybody, especially a newbie on the worst program will get results. Right. If you're brand new, right. You, you take someone that's had no training, no coaching experience, no, never followed a plan and give them a bad plan and they will see progress because they finally have like a plan. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's when it, it takes a special level then to go beyond that. Yeah, totally. And, and uh, I've, I feel like I've had that same conversation with a few people before where it's like, you know, they'll, they'll almost like be hesitant to ask why we're doing something like, and I'm like, no, ask me like, cause, like yes. same thing. If I can't, if I can't give you a reason, then, you know, then, then that's on me. Like that's, that's, that's uh, like you said, a red flag. That's, that's, you know, exactly. There, there I, needs to be a reason behind what we're doing and I need to be able to explain that to you. And if not, then, then we have a problem. Exactly. And I don't want a, a person to ever feel like they can't question me. Like right. I want the relationship. I'm an open book. Like, I don't feel like you're challenging me. If you want to know, I, cause I tell someone, you know, they're not they're I know they're not going to work with me forever. So mm -hmm. I want, I want them to know what they're doing and why they're doing it, you know, and, and to educate themselves and to empower themselves. And then when you know that there's a specific, specific purpose behind a workout, you're probably going to give it a little bit more of your all because you right. understand what we're trying to do with that workout. Or not give it your all because it's supposed to be an easy workout and oh, you're not yeah. supposed to be going hard on these easy workouts so and that you actually recover. That's probably the biggest challenge I find as a coach. People don't take easy days easy enough. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. It's that's they it's they want sexy, flashy. They want they don't feel like it's like, oh, I've got too many easy runs. And it's like, well, but there's a there's a reason your hard workouts should be hard. Your easy day should be easy. Yeah. Um you can't. Yeah. So yeah, but three minutes at 1045 pace doesn't look as flashy on Instagram as, as, or three oh. miles at 1045 pace, you know, oh. as three miles at seven, seven minute pace. So it's, it's, yeah, it's so true. And, and I don't know if you find too, it's, it's social media, I think is, is it's hard because it has become a very much of keeping up with the Joneses and this ego of, I have to be able to post that I've done this hard workout, or I have to be able to post that I lifted these heavy weights or, and if you're injured, God forbid, you can't, right. you're a runner and you can't run and your identity has been taken away from you. What do you post about? <laughs> you know? So, um, and I'm just big on being transparent. Like I'm kind of muddling through, uh, kind of an old, you know, my knee's been flaring up the past couple weeks and I'm taking it very easy and I'm very transparent about, about that and what I'm trying to do to help that out. And, um, it's, it's not necessarily flashy or, you know, sexy or exciting, but it's real. And right. I feel like people see people and they just feel like they have to compare that. And the square world is such a small, small world of a piece of who we really are. And I think people only show the best parts, mm -hmm. um, which is fine. I mean, it's positive. I get it. It's motivating. But I think people then think that if they're having a bad day or a bad run or they're injured, they're like, well, so-and-so never does. I never see this. So something's wrong with me or this isn't normal. And um, so I feel like social media has kind of become dangerous where people maybe push themselves harder than they should or exaggerate things or whatever. I could go on forever about that, but <laughs> I, I feel like it could be a dangerous trap for a lot of people. Yeah, it, it certainly is. And that's, you know, you know, just like you, that's kind of one of the things that I try to do is shit. Like I've been doing um, really dedicated uh, a year long experiment to heart rate training ex exclusively, basically. Oh, so nice. it's, it's been, uh, you know, I've gotten some, some, I feel like some, some kudos, or at least people are paying attention when it's like, I'm posting my three miles at 1045 pace today. And, and then of course, then, then, you know, when you post a race day stat or a workout stat and it's, it's like actually fast, like, well, how does that work out? And it's like, well, because 
Science. Science. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. The, the science. science is strong. It, it really, truly is. Um, it is. Speaking of, of kind of science being strong and, and like I said in the beginning, doing the little things which I, is what I call kind of a lot of the restorative stuff and the, the foam rolling, the stretching, the mobility work, the, the strength training, all of, all of those things that um, I think most runners know that they should be doing. Um, mm-hmm. and I may be in this camp as well, where it's, it's, uh, you sometimes get a little bit caught up too much in the running and, and, uh, some of these little things that are very important, uh, tend to fall by the wayside. I know that's something that, that you're kind of passionate about too, with the, the restorative exercise being a, a thing that you're, you're talk about on the website. Um, and, and I know you've got a, a workshop, a couple of workshops coming up, uh, that kind of fall into this category as well. So, uh, we'd love to, to maybe spend, uh, most of the rest of the chat kind of talking about some of those, some of those little things, some of the, the things that, uh, that that we can do that we should do that uh, maybe we, we all know we should be doing, but aren't doing, um, you know, some of, some of those things that, that help keep us healthy, help keep us moving forward, which ultimately I think that we'd be in agreement here are are the type of things that, that because you're healthy and able to continue training over months and years, that ultimately leads to those successes that you want because you're not, you know, training for a training cycle and out for six months because of an injury type of thing. So, um, we're, you know, I'm assuming some of it has to do with the, uh, the exercise science and, and, and the personal training and whatnot, but where did, where did kind of your take on all of this restorative exercise and strength training and and mobility work? Where did, where did that, uh, kind of grow from? Yeah. So the strength training, uh, really came to life in about 2005, 2006 is when I got really serious about that. So my injury was in 2002 Mm -hmm. and we moved to England in 2004. And then my brother died in 2005 and I didn't have running to cope. Mm -hmm. So I needed something. And so that's when I really dove in headfirst with strength training. And, um, then eventually became certain, you know, decided I loved it so much Mm -hmm. and I wanted to help people. And I became a personal trainer and yada, yada. Um, but I, uh, I, I knew the value of it because I saw how, how much it helped me. And so I'm, I'm just a big believer that runners shouldn't just only run. Um, and I think that's all runners want to do. You know, if you only have an hour a day to work out cause you've got work and family and commitments and this and that pe- runners are going to spend it running. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, 90% of the people, like if I only have an hour, I'm going to get my run in, um, which is great. And that's how you get better as a runner. But, um, there's all the other little accessory work you need to do as well. And I think people just don't want to make time for that stuff because they just want to run. But in order to be a better runner, I feel like that, that other stuff is so important and I, I, it's cyclical too. I mean, obviously like I lift more in the quote unquote off season than I do. Um, so like between now and January, I'll be lifting heavier and a little different than I will be once I start ramping up for my next hundred, you know, because I'm going to have more volume on my legs. I'm going to have, you know, different, stressors on my body that way. So it'll kind of shift to more of a maintenance type work. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very big on strength training for runners. Um, even if it's just a day or two a week, it's better than nothing. I I'm a, I'm a big believer in anything is better than nothing. Um, so it doesn't have to be five days a week. If you can fit in 20 minutes, two or three days a week, that's awesome. Um, the restorative exercise work actually came about in 2000, late 2011. I started having this pain and the big toe of my right foot. And I went to the doctor and they're like, well, yeah, it's bunions. And I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> I don't have bunions. Like, what are you talking about? And he's like, well, you know, we'll give you this rigid orthotic and you'll be fine. And I was not willing to accept that. And my one girlfriend was like, well, you can fix those. You can, you can, you can work with that and read this book by this Katie Bowman, who's one of my instructor mentors. And I read her book and I started applying what she recommended to my own training. And I went from not being able to walk without pain in December of 2011 to doing that 339 marathon in March. And I was like, Oh, 
this is something special here. Like, this is awesome. And so then I took that certification myself and got certified in it. So I, I work a lot of that work in with my clients. And subsequently, um, having that certification, I was able to, I was a, uh, the head strength coach of the Cincinnati Bengals reached out to me and I work with that team now with wow. restorative exercise. So yeah, that's one of the things I do is I work with the Cincinnati Bengals on restorative exercise. So all the things I do with my runners, I do to my football players. So, <laughs> um, so foot health, knee health, joint health, you know, proper, uh, you know, just mechanics of how things are supposed to work and how we get out of moving properly and how we can strengthen areas that are weak and, you know, work on areas that are tight and things like that. So um, I think it's just, I really believe the science needs to be there, but also I see what works for me and my athletes and other people. And I think the, the runners that you tend to see that are less injured are the ones that take time to do more than just running. Right. Right. Totally so, agree. I don't know if that answers, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it definitely does. And, and, um, I mean, obviously we can't go into, to all of the depth, but, uh, you know, if, if you had to, to, you know, speaking to, to generic runner, you know, the, the folks that are, that are listening and obviously every, every situation is gonna be a little bit different. Everybody's going to need a little bit of, of different things based on their situation. But what are a couple of, of good restorative exercise practices or, or exercises or drills or whatever that, uh, you know, that, that, are kind of those common runner weak links that uh, maybe would be something that, you know, again, if, if we can't convince people and, and again, I'm probably in this chip too of, of doing, you know, a consistent 30 to 45 minutes a few times a week, but I can at least get 15 or 20 minutes a couple times a week. What, what are some things that uh, really should be kind of the focus of, of a, of a good kind of restorative injury preventative uh, maintenance, whatever you want to call it, that, that type of, of work? Yeah. So most runners, and I mean, we can't, if we're going to lump everybody together, it's impossible, but right. you know, the common theme, and I'm sure you see it too, um, tend to be foot issues, uh, knee issues and knee issues and hip issues, right? Those are the big three you see to tend to see a lot of runners. Um, I believe working from the ground up the, from the foundational. So I think you need to have strong mobile feet. So I'm really big on, uh, foot exercises, uh, straight, uh, stretching those calves because mm -hmm. most runners have very tight calves, <laughs> which feeds into tight feet and vice versa. Um, lateral hips and glutes. A lot of runners have weak lateral hips and weak glutes. Um, so monster band walks, uh, lateral step ups, um, do work like your she's your supine hip extensions, uh, for your glute activation, uh, anything that's going to get your glutes because we're very quad dominant anyways. And then most people sit all day and their glutes just get a little, little, little sleepy. Right. They don't do what they're supposed to do. So if you could just even do things that help strengthen your feet, help, you know, balance out your glutes and your hips. And, um, I think most runners will get so much bang for their buck with some very simple stuff. Um, and it doesn't necessarily I mean squats are great. Nothing wrong with squats, but it's just those little things like do your bridges, right. do your monster band walks, do your, you know, the work that's going to activate and innervate those lateral hip muscles so that your, your knee is going to stay healthier. Cause your IT band's not taking up the slack for right. your, you know, your lateral hip muscles. So, um, yeah, those are, those are the big ones that I think give people a lot of bang for their buck initially. Yeah, I to totally agree. And, and, uh, love the, the stuff about the, the, the feet, because, um, I, you know, one thing that I, that I certainly see, and, and again, I, you probably do as well. I think it's fairly common is, uh, a lot of runners are quick to blame shoes. You know, I, I yes. need new shoes because this hurts, whatever, whatever this might be. It's anything, like you said, from the foot to the, to the hip. Um, and, and every once in a while, it maybe is the shoes problem, but, but more often than not, it's, it's, it's not. So yeah, taking care of the, the feet is kind of important. 
It is. It is because, and also if you take care of your feet, you won't necessarily have to be in these big, right. Sti- these big clunky stability shoes. You know what I mean? Because they're doing what your body is not doing naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you just put like an orthotic or a cast on and, and those are supposed to be temporary. You know, right. think of it as an orthotic as a cast. You don't wear a cast forever. Um, I, I, I feel like the orthotic is taking away what your foot is supposed to be doing. So if you strengthen your feet and this is, I'm, of course, we're painting a very general mm-hmm. picture here. There are people that need them for other, you know, for right. specific reasons. I'm not stepping on any doctors or podiatrist toes, but um, <laughs> pun intended. <laughs> but, uh, right. I think that if people were to just do some simple, simple things um, and strengthen those feet, it just the the way it just affects everything else up from the you know from from the feet up is is insane. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the shoes, yeah. And, and people always ask like, what shoe should I wear? I said the shoe that's best for you. Right. Um, I have a particular brand that I love and I'm an ambassador for, but that may not be the shoe for you. Uh, mm-hmm. You don't like it. You don't like the fit of it. Um, I'd like to think that everybody would, but I think it's very, very personal. And so I, I feel it's irresponsible for someone to just say, oh, you need to wear this shoe. Right. And I think it's like you need to try and find the shoe that works for you. Um, I know what works for me. So, Mm -hmm. but yeah, a lot of people blame the shoe when it's really, they just need to work on their feet. Right. Right. What, uh, what, what can we suggest for, for feet strengthening? For me, it's, it's, I always kind of go with, you know, when you're in your house, be barefoot, you know, walk around barefoot and force those muscles to work. But are there other, other good, good strength exercises? Like you said, it's pretty simple stuff that, uh, that you have a go-to, uh, fondness for. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so lifting and lowering your toes independently. So if you look mm-hmm. at, if you place your hands, palms down, and you look at your fingers and you kind of wave your fingers up and down, you should be able to do that with your toes. Okay. And most people can't, they lack mm-hmm. the dexterity. But te- I mean, have you ever seen someone who's like a double arm amputee that has to use their legs? They can open jars, they can <laughs> right. feed them. But, but see, that's, we all have that capability. We just, we, put from the age of wherever our parents decided to put us in you know tight shoes we've walked around with feet with casts on mm-hmm. so our feet aren't mobile and as dexterous as they should be so um, being able to lift and lower like your big toe independent of your other toes being able to lift those toes independent of your big toe um, being able to spread your toes right. apart um, walking around barefoot rolling your foot on a ball um, and for someone who has very sensitive feet, you might start with a squishy ball like you get at the dollar store, the high bounce balls mm-hmm. or a tennis ball. Um, I love to use a lacrosse ball because that's that's fine. My feet aren't overly sensitive. So and then I like to take like a pinky, those brown you know, bounce balls, cut it in half and you have a half dome and mm-hmm. step on that and press that into different little trigger points in your feet, and different little areas of sensitivity. Walk on uneven and un, uh, varied surfaces. So if you have like a rock garden, uh, walk around on that. Use mm. the muscles in your feet. Get them to activate because we walk on a flat surface all the time. Right. You're not challenging your feet to 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 work differently if you're just working you know, on the same surface. So uh, walk on grass. Stimulate your mm-hmm. feet with different you know textures and different temperatures and get get those proprioceptors working again. So yeah. those are just some quick and then yeah those are just some quick little recommendations. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and you know it's it's one of those things that I think you can listen to that. And, and especially if you're not doing much, or like you said, if you have really sensitive feet or whatever, and, and just be like, yeah, that I like, it's too much, but it's, it's just like anything. Start small, start with one thing and then kind of build from it from there. As you start to, as your muscles in your feet get stronger, as the flexibility increases, as the proprioception improves, like start simple and, and build from it. And, and you're probably going to see a result in your running. 
Exactly. And I mean, these are things like I first started lifting and lowering my toes while I was taking a shower. Mm-hmm. I'd stand in the shower and wash up my hair. And I'd be like, okay, can I lift my big toe? I mean, it's, it's uh, right. stand at the sink doing dishes, take your socks off, try wiggling your toes. I mean, right. it doesn't have to be, it could be while you're doing other things anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, my, one of my go-tos is, is balance on one foot barefoot while you're brushing your teeth, you know, exactly. Like, while you're doing, exactly. while you're doing the bottoms, you're on your right foot while you're doing the tops, you're on your left foot. And there, there you go. Per- Perfect. And then, you know, for someone who, once you've mastered that, start standing on a balance disc mm-hmm. or an air pad or a rolled up yoga back is a little bit more unstable. If you, right. you know, as long as you don't have stability, you know, balance issues or things like falling and hitting your head, but you know, then it's recruiting more muscles because your foot's having to work harder. So it doesn't have to be like, you need, you know, I think people hear all these suggestions and they think it's very overwhelming and it's a lot to do, but even if you added one of them, right. you'd be getting benefits, right. you know, and then and then add another one later or, or do one in the morning and one in the evening. It doesn't have to be take 20 minutes every morning and work on your feet. Mm-hmm. Ideally, that'd be great. Ideally, we'd be working on them all day. <laughs> right. You know, we'd be right. barefoot running through forests all day. But, <laughs> you know, that's not realistic for most people or desirable for a mm-hmm. lot of people. So uh, I, I believe it. little is better than nothing. Right. right. And then just go from there. And then once people start to see results, then they're more willing to invest time to do more. Right. I think for a lot of people, it's the buy-in. Right. You know, they don't know if it's going to work. So they're not really, really want to invest the time. And then once they invest a little bit of time and they see that it's working, then they're like, okay, yeah, let's do mm-hmm. more. And then, you know, and like you said, invest in the time, but then it's just, it's just a matter of being aware too, of like when you're sitting on the couch watching TV, like put the ball on the floor and massage your feet at the same time or stand and do the balance work or whatever it is. Like you don't have to create new time. You can just invent some time when you're already doing, when you can do a little bit of multitasking and, and everybody wins at that point. Absolutely. It's absolutely when you're yeah. watching TV, um, you know, it's, it's calf a, stretch, roll your foot when, yep. you know, yeah. Like it's, you're brushing your teeth. Yeah. The, the TV is my foam rolling time. Like that's, that's, yeah. you know, if I'm going to watch TV, if I'm going to be sitting on my butt for a while, like I might as well be sitting on the roller and, and getting some benefit out of it. So, you know, exactly. Got to be, be a little bit creative, but, uh, as we're getting close to, to wrapping up, Sarah, I do want to take a second and, and at least, uh, mention the, the sturdy runner workshop that you've got going on at you and, and, a, and a friend are, are doing a couple of these coming up. Uh, the first one will be just a couple of weeks after this, this episode goes out. I can't remember the exact date, but I know sometime in, in November. Uh, but yeah. tell us a little bit more about, about the workshop. And, and if for people that are in, uh, I believe Ohio and Connecticut are the two locations that are, that are local enough, uh, maybe what might be something they want to check out. Yeah, absolutely. So the first one uh, is a Sturdy Runner workshop is November 17th in Dayton, Ohio at Present Tense Fitness in downtown Dayton. Um, And then in Wilton, Connecticut, uh, February 23rd, we're doing Sturdy Athletes. So they're very similar. There's just a couple differences between the two. Um, But they're going to be focusing on the restorative work for runners, the strength training for runners, but it's unconventional. So we're using kettlebells, maces, stick mobility. We're using tools that a lot of runners don't have experience with to show them that you can get – become a more sturdy, resilient, less injured runner. And it doesn't have to involve like hours in the gym. You know, you can, you know, it's very simple techniques that everybody can do that will pay big, big, uh, big bang, uh, have a big bang effect or pay Mm -hmm. big bucks for your running. So, um, and just to keep it fun, I think if it's not fun, people are less likely to do it. Um, so yeah. Right. And we're very excited about it. Yeah. And, and the good thing about those types of, of pieces of equipment are the, the kind of things that, you can buy and have them in your house and not have to have a gym. So like, you know, you get a couple pieces of equipment and you're good to go. Exactly. It's exactly. It's if the gym membership is a financial issue or a, uh, time commitment issue or a just accessibility issue, you know, maybe between family commitments Mm -hmm. or whatever you can invest in very small 
very small amount of money and have a lot of really valuable tools that will increase your um, performance and re- de- decrease your injury prevention and or injury prevalence. And so I feel like most people think they've got to have this big gym membership right. or that's, it's, there's no point. You know, if I don't have the gym membership, what's the point where a couple of dumbbells, a kettlebell, a couple little things, those valve slide sliders, body weight. Um, you can get a lot done with that. Yeah. A lot done. A lot of my clients, I design programs just for at home training. Right. They don't even have a gym. Right. Yeah. And as they, as they get more, you know, they might start off with a little and then they buy a TRX or they mm-hmm. buy a bench or a step and then we can add more to it. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, you can do a lot of very, um, uh, stuff that's, uh, very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Just beneficial. That's, that's quality. Yeah, that's yeah, good. Just, exactly. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently it's chocolate and nap time over here, yes. but yeah, things that are just really going to pay off, but you don't have to invest in a lot of a space or a, a equipment because a lot of people, it's a space issue. Right, right. So if you're guys, if you're interested in, in, uh, either of those workshops again in, in uh, Dayton, Ohio, what was the city in Connecticut? Uh, Wilton, and Wilton, outside of about an hour outside of Hartford. Okay, so if if you're yeah. in those areas and, and are interested in a little uh, a little workshop, a little learning, uh, something that's that's going to pay off big time, uh, we'll have the links in the show notes. But you can also, uh, I know that uh, Sarah has it in her uh, Instagram profile right now. Uh, the, the link right there. So again, that that handle there is at Dirty Runner, D R T Y Runner. Uh, so Sarah, as, as we're officially kind of getting to that point now, I, I, I can't uh, not do the, the, the kind of closing typical thing where I, I do a philosophical question, which is kind of the bookend to the introductory question. So something that's, that's fairly simple, fairly open-ended. Uh, you can take it and run with it for, for a while. You can keep it short and sweet, uh, whatever kind of floats your boat. But uh, I'd, I'd just be curious, um, you know, with, with kind of how your, your journey has, has ebbed and flowed of getting into running and then having a serious injury and, and taking out for a while and, and getting back into it you know, after, you know, kind of, you know, when you weren't supposed to be able to run again and, and now continuing to, to push forward um, and, and do the hundreds and, and do the, the big things and get time on the trail and all that good stuff. Uh, why? What, why do you, what about running is it that, that keeps you going? Why, why do you still run at this point in your life? Oh gosh. <laughs> it's funny you asked that because I actually just gave a talk at the Women's Movement Collaborative last month and my talk was finding your why or having your why. So it's interesting you ask that. Um, first and foremost, I love running. I've always just loved running. I'm um, not the most graceful or <laughs> I'm kind of a clumsy person. So running is just very easy for me. I don't do well with team sports or having to use a ball or anything. So it's simple. Um, but really when asked for what my why is, um, in 2005, I kind of mentioned this earlier, my brother passed away. Mm-hmm. And um, when he died, my entire perspective on life shifted like in an instant. And I was a very, um, I worried a lot as a person. I was a very anxious person. I was a very um, people pleaser, you know, as are they going to like me, you know, type person. I didn't want to take risks. Um, and when he passed away, I was like, oh my God, like, and he was only 28 and it was like, life is really short. And they tell you that, but it is really short when you lose someone that you love. And I felt like I owed it to him to live my life the fullest 
that I possibly could. And to, like I said earlier, to kind of squeeze the most out of it that I could. And so now when I run people are like, well, how do you do that? And I'm like, well, how do you not? I get to run all night. I get to feel the, you know, the breath pumping in my lungs. I get to see a sunrise. I get to, I just feel alive when I'm running. And I feel like even though my brother was never a runner, he was an athletic, he was very bookish and into that. But I feel like I'm communing with him when I'm out there because I'm sharing something that he won't ever get to have again. So I feel like I'm honoring him by doing that. And, um, yeah. And I just, I feel like it makes me a stronger person. I just feel like it makes me whole. Gotcha. Good, good stuff. Powerful stuff. And, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, that's one of the reasons I love asking those types of questions because you never know exactly where they're going to go, but it always goes somewhere good. And, and thank you for, for sharing that, Sarah. Uh, once again, guys, drtyrunner.com at dirty runner, again, same spelling, drty runner on uh, all the socials. And we'll have everything linked up as we always do. Dizruns.com slash six, four, four. If you're out on the go, can't write something down. Can't, can't jump on the, the apps and, and follow her right now. Dizruns.com slash six, four, four. We'll have everything for you right there. Uh, so Sarah, thank you. Uh, thanks for taking the time today. I uh, certainly feel like we could have done this for another two, three, four hours, but uh, maybe, maybe someday we'll, we'll circle the wagons and, and do it again, or maybe we'll do it on a trail at some point along the way as well. But uh, certainly appreciate the time and, and uh, thanks for taking the, t- thanks for taking the time and uh, nothing but the best going forward for you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And I'll be excited to see how your 50 K goes in January. All right, guys, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode of the show. Hope you enjoyed the conversation between Sarah and myself and as always, I'd be curious to know what stood out to you from this episode. What was something that uh, that you're going to take away from our conversation today? Uh, for me, it really kind of goes back to the early part of the the, the chat with Sarah, but uh, I guess it kind of filtered through a couple different instances as well. And that was the idea of of needing to have patience, of of being patient, and how that applies both during a race. Uh, you know, making sure you're starting out under control, especially the, the longer distance races, you know, kind of easing into it and, and not making your move in the first mile of a marathon or a half marathon or a 50 K or a 50 mile or whatever it is, but really ease into the run and, and be patient and let your body warm up and be ready to go. But also when it comes to the recovery process, you know, what Sarah was dealing with her, you know, really serious knee injury or, or broken, you know, broken tib, uh, tib fib area, uh, all of, all of the things in her knee, the, the fracture that she had. Um, eight years without running is a long time, a long time, but she was patient enough to allow the healing to happen, uh, and, and then get back into it and not just get back into it crazy. Um, although eventually that's what happened, but, uh, you know, just starting, starting small, starting with a mile, listening to her body, adjusting, taking time off if needed. And that patience is something that I know I struggle with. And I know a lot of, a lot of you struggle with as well. You know, as far as, as taking some time off after a race or taking some time off when you've got a little niggle that's, that's, that's starting to form, uh, and you don't want to, you don't want to not run, but sometimes being patient, sometimes letting, letting your body have a break is the better bet because now you're going to miss a few days as opposed to a few weeks or maybe longer. So that, that patience thing, I think as, as humans, we all kind of struggle with it, or at least a lot of us do, but, uh, it's especially important as runners to uh, accept that sometimes we have to be patient and that doesn't make us less of a runner. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't diminish our passion for the sport. Uh, if anything, it, it may just well make you grow even stronger. So um, just a real good reminder from Sarah today about the, the value of being patient towards your goals, patient on race day, patient with your recovery, just patience. Patience is a virtue, as my aunt always used to say, uh, and something that we could all probably use a little bit more of in our, in our, daily life and in our running life as well so that was that was my takeaway 
What about you? What stood out to you from this episode? Let me know. Shoot me a tweet at DizRuns. Shoot me an email at DizRuns at gmail.com. And of course, you can head over to the show notes for today's episode uh, and leave your thoughts and feedbacks and comments and takeaways in the comment section as always. DizRuns.com slash 644. We'll take you right there, right to this this episode. Uh, you can see the, the handiwork that Ellen does and doing the show notes and uh, some photos from Sarah and links and all that good stuff as well. DizRuns.com slash 644. And with that... Go ahead and put a bow on this thing. Uh, Thank you guys for listening. Hope you enjoyed this one. As always, if you did, tell a friend, tell somebody else. Help spread the word. It really means a lot, and uh, it was really appreciated. And uh, until next time, please be well. Take good care. Thanks again for listening, and uh, we'll talk soon, all right? See you guys.